Welcome to a special instant replay edition of the Mike Drop, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, while Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul and her team take a well-deserved break for a few weeks following that big news that the 2026 FIFA World Cup was headed to North Texas. We're going to play some of our favorite interviews from the first 69 episodes of the Mic Drop. This week, we bring you three pretty incredible headliners. First, we hear from Cowboys Hall of Famer Emmett Smith on his business ventures. You won't want to miss this different side of Emmett. Next, we replay Marcus's conversation with Shaquille O'Neal. Doesn't get much bigger than Shaq. And he offers a hot take on Dirk and Luca that you won't want to miss. And finally, Texas Rangers GM Chris Young and his approach to building a contender in Arlington. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did the first time we had these three headliners on the mic drop. Monica, Next Level Marcus Carr and I will be back with a whole new show on August 4th. In the meantime, enjoy this mic drop instant replay. What a thrill to welcome to the mic drop, Emmett Smith, of course, the all-time leading NFL rusher, Pro Football Hall of Famer. We know his success on the football field. You may be aware of his success in business and real estate and construction and technology. Of course, you know, he won Dancing with the Stars in 2006, and Cheryl Burke hasn't won since she partnered with, with Emmett, so there's that. But you may not be aware that, that Emmett is involved in the ownership of the NASCAR Xfinity Series number 34 car team driven by Jesse Iwuji. We're going to talk about Jesse in a minute. Uh, but Emmett, welcome to the mic drop. We really appreciate the time today. Thank you. How are you doing, Kevin? <clears throat> doing all right. It's good to see you again. It's been a, been a few years. Uh, before we get to NASCAR, let's talk Cowboys for a second. Your, your rushing record is safe. I checked this out as part of my, uh, my exhaustive research for today. And of the top 50 uh, rushing totals in NFL history. There's only one active player and that's Adrian Peterson at number five. He's a long way behind you and he's about to shut it down. It would seem uh, assess the state of the way the running back is used in today's game. And just, you know, how you feel about the style of play today is the running back is playing a little bit of a different role from your time. Well, I think the running back play has evolved to a running back by committee. It's no fault of the running back itself. It's, the, it's just the way the system is evolving to utilize guys that are more hybrid type of players, if you will, from a tight end perspective to a running back perspective, or the fullback is being removed and you got a hybrid tight end that can do a little bit of things just to create more opportunity to throw the football. I think Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf uh, kind of brought some of this along as well. Uh, it actually transcended probably prior to that back to Warren Moon and the evolution of the run and shoot. And so the running back position, um, as people want to term it, devalued, it's not devalued, it's just been underutilized uh, from the context of what the NFL is more valuing. And when I look at it from a 50,000 foot view, I see the NFL is more about putting more points on the board just to entertain as, as, as viewers uh, versus uh, um, uh, a running game may slow the game down, may make the score a little bit more 
in line 2017 or something like that, which could end up being boring for some people, but exciting uh, for teams that win. Uh, so it, it's just, just a difference and a change in philosophy versus the the skill set of the running back. Because I believe the skill set of the running back is steady evolving. Uh, you have a guy like Alvin Kamara who's coming out of the backfield and that can run pass routes like a wide receiver. And uh, you see Kristen McCaffrey doing the same thing. So um, I think the running backs are steady evolving and steady adapting. That's what's so great about our position. We adapt fairly quickly and fairly easy and on the fly, uh, which is a, a tribute to his, his, his skill set. Another big offseason, you know, with the NFL draft coming up and free agency, another big offseason for the Cowboys. Last season, they upgraded the defense. What, what, what should they focus on this offseason uh, to, to uh, you know, make, take that playoff step next year that uh, the fans are so eagerly awaiting? Well, if the team stayed together, which we know that's going to be a challenge with the salary cap, if the team was able to stay together somehow, some way, shape, or form, I think from a draft standpoint, uh, we probably need to get some more support on the interior side of our, our offense, as well as our defense. We need to stop the run a little bit better. Um, we definitely need to have more um, solid protection for Dak and be able to run the ball a little bit more effectively with Zeke and Tony Pollard. Uh, outside of that, I think our skill positions are solid. we can go to battle with any of our skilled players that we currently have. Um, so from that standpoint, I don't think that the Cowboys are too far off. But here's my challenge with the Cowboys. It's not about talent. Because I think we have some of the best talent in the National Football League. There's no doubt. And we've had that on our, on our squad. I think it's, the, it's, it's just the approach and the mentality that players and coaches probably need to take. I mean, I know coaches are out there to coach. But I think when you start trying to jail together, making decisions and, and not making mistakes and minimizing our mistake issues, that's plagued us. Mistakes have killed us, whether it's jumping off sides at the wrong time or jumping off sides too often or false start penalties that set us back or even turning the ball over against dumb penalties, et cetera, et cetera. Just things that, that are in our control, things that we can control. Because uh, if you can control those things and have the discipline and the focus and the commitment to excellence, and that's eliminate all those other things. Um, and staying focused is, is extremely important, uh, especially when you want to run uh, to the Super Bowl and get beyond just making it to the playoff. I think, I think we just need to re refocus in terms of what, what truly is our mission as a team and as an organization and as a coaching staff. What is our mission? What are we trying to truly get accomplished? And, and be committed to excellence because that's the only way you start to eliminate those things because it plays in your mind. I got to eliminate this myself. If I'm a player that's played with having a lot of penalties, I need to do everything in my power to eliminate those things so I don't hurt our ball club, or hurt our defensive unit, or hurt our offensive unit, hurt our special teams unit. And if I'm a coach, I got to make Key decisions based off of game-type situations. How well are we playing defensively? Can I punt right here? Or should I just kick the field goal right here and keep the momentum going? Get points on the board so our team can. It's, it's, it's a psychological game that needs to be 
it's sporadic right now. It needs to calm down a little bit. It, I mean, we're kind of schizophrenic in that way. And so for me, that's what I look for in some of the great teams that I've seen. That's what I've seen in the, in the teams like New England. They don't panic. They play to their strengths and they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. When I see that, I saw that in, in Tom Brady and, and the uh, Buccaneers, uh, period. I mean, last year they got hurt with injuries, put it that way. Uh, but for the most part, they stay consistent and solid throughout the whole entire year. Let's talk about your ownership of the number 34 car in the Xfinity series in NASCAR, driven by local product, Jesse Iwuji. How did that come about? Well, it, it came about some years ago. Um, Matt Costo, uh, who's Jesse's manager as well, and, and also partnership in the ownership club that we have, um, introduced Jesse to uh, one of my uh, partners on, on the notable live side of the equation, the technology play that we have. And, and Mike and, and, and I decided to sponsor the car in the Texas Motor Speed Race that was coming up about a year and a half ago, two years ago now. And, and that's how I first met Jesse. I met, I knew Matt for over 20 some years, but I did not know Matt was doing something like this. And so Matt thought it, it would be interesting for me to meet Jesse, as well as Mike thought it would be interesting for us to actually sponsor a race with Jesse. And that's how the relationship began. And I got a chance to know a young man that had passion, that had a vision for what he wanted to accomplish. And not only accomplished on the track, but also off the track. And uh, I got a chance to understand his background from a military standpoint, his family, where he's from, and all those kind of things. And I saw a young man that was driven and very passionate about what he wanted to accomplish, very focused. And with the military background that he had, I knew he had a discipline. I knew that. Uh, and so hearing his vision, or seeing his vision and hearing it, uh, I felt like it, it gave me an opportunity to uh, be a part of it in a small way. Well, Jesse decided to start his own motorsport team in NASCAR and asked me to be a part of it. And, and quite naturally, being from Carrollton uh, and understanding the, the challenges and NASCAR moving to this place of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I thought it was the right time for me to join forces with a young man like him and bring in whatever business acronym I have was uh, lending the relationships that I actually have to help support them. And here we are. We find ourselves right now in NASCAR in the, in the Xfinity series and, and trying to create an opportunity for Jesse to chase after his dreams and all of that, but bring other um, diverse fans to, to NASCAR and open up NASCAR in a way and help promote NASCAR in a way that I don't think has been promoted in many years. This week, our own Marcus Carr had the opportunity to interview Shaquille O'Neal at the Destiny Awards, an event benefiting St. Philip's School and Community Center. Let's uh, take a listen to uh, Marcus's conversation with Shaq. Thanks for doing this, Shaq. So you played against many greats in your career. You and Dirk were just uh, named this 75th anniversary team. Where does Dirk rank among uh, the greats, and you know how do how do you view him? He's up there. It's kind of hard to put put him at a number, but you know he's definitely up there. You know, being in the top 75 is is good. There's been a lot of guys that have came, and a lot of good and great ones, but 
to be uh, out in this top 75 is good. It's kind of, I don't like doing rankings saying he was this and he was that. He was definitely was a great player. Uh, came a long way. The, the real definition of hard work. When he first came in, he wasn't that uh, impressive. But then after like year three, he just took off. The Mavs front office turned over. His coaching staff turned over. Turned over. Just shipped off Porzingis. What do you think the trajectory for the Mavs are, and what can Luca become? Well, he can become probably the face of the league. But you definitely need one more big star to help him out. Porzingis just quite didn't pan out. You know, he had flashes to where can do it, but you know, in order to become great, you have to have major consistency. You just didn't have that. And now, what a pleasure to welcome Rangers General Manager Chris Young to the mic drop. Local product, of course, a graduate of Highland Park High School, where Chris was all state in both baseball and basketball. He played both sports at Princeton, was Ivy League Rookie of the Year in both. That is not easy to do. In 13 big league seasons, Chris posted a 79 and 67 record. That's pretty good, everybody, in 271 games. Uh, 2004 and 5 with the Rangers, as our listeners will remember, but had a great career. Won 11 games in a World Series with the Royals in 2015. After retiring in 2018, worked in the commissioner's office. We're going to get into a little bit about the future of the game with Chris from his experience there. Named Rangers executive vice president and general manager in December of 2020. One of the really good people in sports. Chris, welcome to the mic drop. Sully, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be with you guys. And thank you for that introduction, by the way. It's, uh, it's you, you, you uh, do a very good job there. I needed you to introduce me a lot of places. So um, <laughs> that was it's fun to hear. Thank you. Let me know and I'll show up. So I want to start on a, on a personal uh, note. Of course, we mentioned that you played at a very high level. You played both basketball and baseball growing up. So you've got three kids, a daughter and two sons, I believe. Correct. Uh, how did you handle, you know, sports specialization with them? What do you think, you know, playing multiple sports, how did it help you or maybe not, not help you? Uh, what do you, what do you make of the debate over when kids should specialize? Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, I, I think it all comes down for the kids love of the sport. I think that's the most important part that, um, these kids love what they do and that we're as parents, as adults, creating an environment, uh, to really foster that love and make sure that the kids are having a good experience coming back every season to play that sport. And if they happen to love multiple sports, we encourage that. And we invite, we find a way for them to, to, uh, to do that and allow for that. Um, I think it's unbelievably impactful. Some of the things that really um, set me up for success in my major league baseball career, I learned through college basketball or high school basketball, or even youth basketball. So, um, you know, the lessons learned on the court or on the playing field and one sport certainly translate um, to other sports. And I think the more that we expose our kids to in terms of that uh, and, and limit that specialization, um, the better that they are. That said, I have my middle son has chosen to specialize in basketball. He loves it. It's what he likes the most and we fully support him. Um, but our other two are multi-sport athletes and we, we encourage, you know, whatever that love is. So love, love of the game is the most important thing. Uh, you know, you, you grew up as a Rangers fan. Uh, so what did it mean to you when obviously it pitched a couple of years for the club, but I'm sure that was an incredible experience. But but back in December of 2020, when along with John Daniels, you were given the responsibility of you know bringing a champion to your hometown, in effect. I mean, how do you feel about that? that's a weighty responsibility? How do you feel about it? 
Well, I, I, I view it as an opportunity. I think this is a, it's an organization that has had a tremendous impact on my life in so many ways, um, whether it was as a kid going to uh, old Arlington Stadium and watching my childhood heroes, um, guys like Nolan Ryan and Buddy Bell and um, Steve Bouchel and Pudge and all the great players that have come through this organization. Um, and then from wearing the uniform as a Ranger, as a, as a rookie in the major leagues, realizing my dream um, in my hometown uniform, it was unbelievably special. And the support that I got and the love that I had um, for this organization, and then now coming full circle to um, being able to work for this organization in an executive role uh, to help build a championship organization. Um, really, I said it at the time of the press conference, and I fully mean this. I don't think there's anything more fulfilling professionally that I could be part of than helping this franchise win their first World Series. And I have a deep connection with our fans because I am one. I've been one. I am one. I really understand um, our fans and and uh, what they deserve in terms of uh, winning a championship. And so uh, I'm as committed as anybody to this and, and looking forward to the future here. I've had the, the privilege the last few years of, of uh, professionally getting to be around uh, manager Chris Woodward a little bit here and there and have been incredibly impressed with him. You, when, when you were on the Mariners, if I'm not mistaken, he was on the, the coaching staff in Seattle. Uh, so he was here before you were named uh, GM. But talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Woody hasn't had as much talent on a lot of nights the last three years as the manager across the field in the other dugout. That's beginning to, to improve. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but for the fans who haven't really been able to see uh, just how, how good Woody is as a manager, talk a little bit about what makes him the right person for the job to, to lead the Rangers you know, back to contention again. Yeah, Sully, it's a great question. It's something that our fans probably don't get to see enough, frankly, um, is really what a tremendous person Woody is. Um, he has an unbelievable way of connecting with people. Uh, he's got a sincerity and um, genuine um, nature that people, it, it really just resonates with people. And um, I think all people, everyone who comes across Woody knows he has the best of intentions. And um, it's a special characteristic in a game where it's it's hard. You, you have a lot of challenges. They're um, on a nightly basis faced with decisions and uh, pressures and stresses that, um, you know, th that are really hard. You're under a lot of scrutiny. Woody handles it tremendously well. And as you said, our, our friendship dates back to really, um, we, we were competed against each other as players. We were never teammates. And then Woody's first year uh, coaching with the Mariners um, on their big league staff, I was uh, uh, playing, I was pitching for the Mariners in 2014. So uh, at that point in my career, I was really more uh, closer in age to some of the coaches than I was some of the players. So uh, the back end of my career. So Woody and I hung out a lot. We talked a lot of baseball and it really just hit it off on a personal level um, in terms of our shared values. And I think now coming here, it was a big part of my decision to come here, not only my relationship with John Daniels, but also with Chris Woodward, our field manager, um, and having that alignment, that continuity between uh, the three of us um, in shaping a vision and a, a culture and, and um, ultimately the future of the organization. It was a huge part of my decision and wanting to work with Woody again and uh, believing that he is the right person to get the best out of our players on a daily basis and create this winning environment that we're striving to achieve. 
So, Chris, no doubt uh, the Rangers fans and actually all baseball fans are glad that uh, the season is upon us finally. Uh, and Rangers been doing a lot of movement, excited about the additions of the veteran free agents, Corey Sager, Marcus Simeon, uh, John Gray, Cole Calhoun. But give our listeners an idea of which young players uh, they should be excited about following this season. Well, I think there's a number of players and I, I try not to really identify or specify um, specific players that, uh, you know, we feel are um, the ones that are going to be part of our championship team. I think those players are going to emerge. I think that we have a great crop of talent um, and, and really a lot of great players who are going to emerge and establish themselves over the next year or two as we as we kind of get into our championship window. Um, but I think, you know, currently on the roster, I think guys like um, Nick Solak um, uh, is is one who's uh, in a platoon role right now with Brad Miller in left field. Um, certainly Adolis Garcia. He was uh, one of the best rookies in the game last year. And we, we uh, have high expectations for him to continue to grow and develop. Nate Lowe had a tremendous rookie year last year. Um, he's showing signs of, of uh, growth and development as well that all young players um, go through. And so and on the pitching side, there's a number of young players. Dane Dunning had a great year. Taylor Hearns off to a great start. Um, we have a lot of good bullpen arms. And, and then really the depth in the minor leagues behind these guys. I think there's a great crop of talent on the way. Um, but I always like to say these guys will show us um, who's going to be a part of it, who's really going to step up and be the next group of championship players. Um, I don't think any of us are smart enough to fully predict that, um, you know, one guy over the next. When you have the level of character that we have in our players and, and throughout our system, um, I, I would not bet against any of these guys, frankly. <laughs> 